0: Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. We're excited to come into his presence this morning, and I'm excited just to get my eyes on Jesus. Amen. Um, our eyes need to turn to the Lord throughout the whole week, and they do. Um, I do. But somehow being here together with you all, mm. it just is something special. When we come together as a body, um, we're called to gather. We're called to fellowship as a body for a reason. We need each other. And we draw, and we come into the presence of the Lord, we draw close to him together as his church, um, his beloved. So um, go ahead and stand with me this morning as we prepare our hearts uh, to to celebrate, to worship, um, and to just be with him this morning.
1: Amen. I'm going to read a call to worship out of Exodus 15. But as I'm reading it, I want you to think of this phrase the entire time. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Church, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. And it goes like this. It's out of Exodus 15. It's called the Song of Moses. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang the song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. He has triumphed. Gloriously, the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, church. I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. In verse 17, the end of the song goes like this And you will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. How many of you guys this morning are planted in the mountain of his inheritance? Who he is, his goodness. In the place, O Lord, which you've made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Say it with me, church. The Lord shall reign forever forever and ever. So, Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you do reign forever and ever. Every situation, every circumstance that we walked in here with, we give it all to you today. Have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here different than how we walked in. And so, Father, we put our trust in you, our eyes on you, our hearts on you. And we sing to you your glorious praise. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
0: Jesus, our Restorer, our Redeemer, our Savior, his body broken, his blood poured out. Church, the enemy comes only to steal, to kill. And to destroy. And in doing these things, he seeks, he seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy your faith in God. So when we come up against these these things in life that break us, these things in life that wound us, he doesn't the, 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 the devil doesn't care whether you're rich or poor. Only that being one or the other would steal you from the kingdom. The devil doesn't care whether you're healthy or sick, only that either one or the other will steal you away from the kingdom, will cause you to doubt the one true living God, will cause you to say, Did he really say? Is he really going to show up? If he was good, this thing wouldn't happen. He is good. He is good, and because he is good, he will take that, that situation, he is going to take that circumstance, and he is going to pull together all of those broken pieces, and he is going to bring redemption. He is going to bring restoration. It is going to be so, because it is who he is. He is not the author of death, destruction, sin, violence, tragedy, horror, These things do not come from his hand. But this morning, church, we as a people stand and we say, we, God, are your people. We are the people of the one true living God. And though we go through fire, though we walk through valleys of the shadow of death, though we come up against these things that wound us and break us, and hurt us. We are the people of the one true living God, and we will partake of those things only that come from his hand. We will only partake of the Father's bread. We will only partake of the Father's bread. This morning, as we come to the communion table, as you pick up your elements and you walk back to your seats, hold on to them because we're going to partake together. We're going to go into his word and we're going to partake just as, just as the 12 did, just as they did at the last supper. We're just going to sit and we're going to be with Jesus. This morning, I'm going to be the disciple who leans up against his chest. I'm just going to lean in. And there's room. He's broad. There's room. So as you come forward, the, the elements on the plate are gluten-free. Uh, You'll come down these aisles and circle back around to your seats. Don't turn right back around into the flow of traffic. Um, And hold on to those elements because we need his presence this morning. I love, I love that we went into, I love, I love your presence. I sing that in the shower all the time, all the time. This morning, we are going to stand in his presence. We're going to partake of that which Jesus poured out to give us that that impartation of grace this morning. Go ahead. I release you to come up and, and receive your elements. As we prepare to take communion together this morning, church, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and open your heart in this moment it's just you and him. just you and him this morning. Faith in God has everything to do with your heart, has everything to do with your heart, and trusting him in this moment that that which you hold in your hand was broken and poured out for you, you alone in this moment, for you alone. Where is your heart this morning? He will come and he will meet with you. He will come into the darkest place. He wants to meet with you. Let's just take a moment to be honest with him this morning. Let's take a moment to show that we trust him. Let's just take a moment to have a conversation with Jesus this morning.
1: Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your presence. That as we meet as a large group as a church, your presence is real and tangible. But Lord, we thank you that your presence is with us all the time. Day in, day out, moment by moment. Your presence is there and Father we thank you for all you've done for us for your great love for us Lord that we would have an even greater revelation of your love for us and Father we don't take these elements lightly today We don't take them out of routine. We don't take them because of any other reason but to honor you, to remember, to reflect. That's right, and then to receive, Lord, that which you have for us today. A sacred time of a sacrament with you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, Sir, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake.
0: Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. As
1: everybody stand with me, we're going to continue to worship the Lord. I have a scripture that I've been thinking about and was talking with someone about last night and even this morning. We even sort of prayed with the worship team regarding it. It's out of Romans 8, verse 28. I know it's a common verse that many people may know or memorize, but let me just read it to you. And we know that all things... Church... And we know that all things work together for good, because he is good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So if you love God, and you are called according to his purpose, this scripture is for you. Which means no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, God is working on your behalf. And we sing that song, even when we don't feel it, he's working. And even when we don't see it, he's working. And church, I believe the Lord wants you to know this morning that he is working. Through situations that seem grim and dim and dark, he is working even in those circumstances. He is working to turn around all things together for good. You know what the word all means? It means all. It means everything. It means all of it, no matter the situation, all things. So if you walked in here this morning and you have one of those things that you are like, Lord, I just need to trust you that you are working all things together for good. When we sing this last song, I just encourage you to come to the altar this morning. Just come to the altar as a step of faith of walking out of your seats and stepping forward and saying, today, I'm trusting the Lord for this situation. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't understand the circumstances. I don't get it all up here in my head. But I'm trusting you with it this morning. So if that's you this morning, I just encourage you to come forward and just bring that situation to the altar. Amen. Let's worship.
2: thing the Lord's been really showing me this week is just a vision of Jesus on the cross, and I just feel like um, I want to encourage someone, everyone, that whatever situation, whatever struggle, whatever hardship, that you feel like it's just too hard, or there's no hope, or you can't get over it, to just imagine it Imagine it being exactly where the nail is going into Jesus. And as the nail is just pounding and that thing is just dying on the cross with Jesus. And every time that it rises up and feels too big, you just imagine it getting pounded more and more into the cross. And then think about Jesus and think about him rising and coming back to life and overcoming the cross. The grave, and we have a savior that overcame death that rose again, so that thing has no power because it's dead. And Jesus rose again on Sunday. So, what a privilege it is to be able to go through the hard things because we have a savior that overcame it all. So, find joy in the suffering because we have a savior that overcame it all. What can he not do?
0: Before we went into that last worship song, this is part of my message. This whole service is my message. Faith has everything to do with your heart. Trust in the Lord. Trust him with your heart. You know, you don't have to rush through where you're at. Your grieving heart is not a problem for him. And you don't have to rush. You just have to turn your eyes to him, open your heart to him, I remember um, it was here in this church, in the lobby. Um, There was a woman who was attending at that time, and she had miscarried a baby. And she just, her heart was broken. And she was standing there, and another woman was telling her about the statistics, like, well, this is really common, one in four women. And um, I walked up, and I didn't know what they were talking about at the time. And uh, this woman was like, you know, she, she said to the other one, welcome to the club. Like, this just happens. And this woman just looked at me. And I'm going to use a word here. It is what it is. I said, yeah, welcome to the club. It totally sucks. And her eyes filled with tears. She just hugged me. She said, like, thank you for saying that. Because this is awful. And sometimes we feel like we have to hurry. We have to rush. And like we're not allowed to look at God and say, what is going on? Why? why does this hurt so bad? Or just say, I hurt. I hurt. One of the most healing emails I ever wrote was to Jason. And the title of it was, I hurt. My heart is just hurting. Why? Why this? And why that? And I didn't stay there. I didn't plant my seeds there. But boy, was it was it okay to just pour my heart out to someone who loved me. And ultimately, it was an email to Jesus and to Jason. (laughs) And I woke up, and I kid you not, two days later, Mm. I felt a newness on the inside, a a, a like a, a healing on the inside. So I think sometimes we... I'm not going to preach my message now. I think sometimes we rush to try to have the right response, the faith response. And we rush because we want to make sure that we don't get into something else. We want, we want to do it right. We want to please the Lord with our faith. But church, I just want to tell you that there is no faith. No, it's not true faith unless it flows from your heart. It's got to start in your heart. Faith starts in your heart where it's real, and that's where it's powerful. And that starts, sometimes that starts with, what is going on, God? What is going on? I hurt, or I'm furious, or this is not right. It starts with these statements. And we invite him in, and we sit in that, in that honesty. That's what we're sitting in. Not self-pity, not anger. We don't sit in anger. We don't stew. But we, we take a moment to be honest and then if we're doing it with him then we say but God we go into but God but you O oh Lord are my redeemer but you O oh Lord are my comforter but you O oh God are here with me in this but I know God that you will work all things to good even this garbage yeah. even this garbage that got tossed at my doorstep I know my God Will redeem. I know my God. This is how you go from heartache to faith to restoration. Okay, I'm down. I'm just preaching my message. <laughs> I'm just preaching my message. It's the message of the morning, guys. Yeah. So I know that we're not the only ones struggling with some things this morning. I know that God's, God's, He's got a word for us from the word today just to encourage us. Amen. And it's going to be a good word this morning. Amen.
1: So I want to close with this scripture before we dismiss for break. Um, It's just something as you were were talking. My brethren, count it all joy. And I think Al referenced this too. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I think we read that verse and we look at that word joy and we're just like, wow, man. Like, am I failing if I'm not jumping up and down? Like, super excited that I'm going through another trial in my life. Like, woohoo, this is fantastic, you know, another problem at work, hallelujah. Like, I, I think we miss with the context of what the Lord is trying to tell us there. And it's exactly what El was saying, is that we can count it all joy only because we know he is with us in that trial. He is with us in that circumstance, and we count joy only because we know that we are not alone in it. We are not alone in it, and he is working together those things. And so we can have this bit of joy in us, and we can count it like a specific, like you said. I'm going to count it right here, and we're going to move forward, right? You count and you move forward, right? Counting is one, two, three, four. We don't count back while we do sometimes. But we like to count forward. We count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Seeing the end, not the circumstance with your end, because if you're staring at the circumstance, you're stuck right there. That's in my notes. That's in your notes, sorry.
0: That's okay, keep
1: going. If you're staring at the circumstance, you're stuck right there. But when your eyes are lifted up and you're looking at God and you're moving forward, this faith that produces patience, let patience then have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the only way we can count of join off to jump up and down. But what we do have to say is, Lord, I know you're with me, and I'm not going to stare and get stuck at this situation, but I'm going to move forward with you, Lord, because I know there's a purpose on the other side that I don't see today, but you're working together for good. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, I'm done.
0: We're going to go into a time of greeting. God is so good. He's so good. We could stand up here and talk about the things of the Lord for hours. It is hard for us to close it down, let you all use the restroom, say hi to each other. Um, ECF kids, your ECF bags are at Kid Corner. If you're a guest, if this is your first time with us, uh, we're honored and happy to have you. On the back of the seat is a connection card where you can put your name um, and an email. We'll send out an email to you, uh, link you up with our website, give you an opportunity to subscribe to our events emails. Um, if you have a child with you who, and you are a guest, I have special guest bags um, specifically for your child. Um, the nursery is open. That's ages zero to three. Uh, ECF Little's ministry, ages four, five, and six, is also open. Those, those children can be dismissed to their classroom during the break, and that classroom is out here and also all the way to the right, um, and family room is open straight across the lobby. Um, that's a place where you can hang with your child. Um, that room requires adult supervision or older sibling supervision. Um, is that all? Tithes and offerings. Uh, the, the buckets for tithes and offerings will be up here during the break. Bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord with joy, with intentionality. It's a big deal to trust the Lord in all things. And it's a big deal to trust the Lord with your finances, with your relationships, with your heart. So do it with intention, do it with joy, um, and we'll come back together with announcements in about five minutes.
1: All right, church, hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing? All right, I I have to figure out how to get everyone's attention, I don't normally do the announcements, so... I'm about to give you our softball team update. And everybody got quiet because everyone wants to know how we're doing. So uh, we were in the playoffs. Yeah, come on. We were in the playoffs. You can clap for that. Uh, every team did make the playoffs. So that's okay. So we do appreciate the clapping. Uh, you know, we came in as the seven seed. Uh, and there were uh, seven teams. So if you're familiar with sports, that would be the lowest seed coming in. But I tell you what, guys, we played our hearts out. We played our hearts out. We did lose Friday, and then we end up losing our Thursday night and Friday. We played, you know, a game and then a game, the two nights in a row. Uh, but we had an absolute blast. We had so much fun playing softball. Uh, we, we would text each other all through the week about how sore we were, you know, the problem with my hip and my knee, and what about your calf, how's, I got a concussion two weeks ago, right, it's like, how's your head doing, like, I mean, it was, it was a tough season physically, uh, but relationally, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, we had an incredible time, uh, and at the end, we all kind of gathered after that last game, we just shared our hearts and how much that meant to us as a softball team, so, we really enjoyed it. I know it threw a little bit of a hitch into summer nights sometimes because we were doing summer nights here and summer nights there. Uh, so I will tell you, from now on, summer nights is going to be every Friday for the rest of the summer, and it will be here at the church campus. It'll be at the Rose Center. Uh, we will have it every uh, Friday night. It starts at 5 p.m. Uh, dinner is served uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, Grace, you got that slide? You want to put the summer slide up for me? Summer nights. There you go. Here we go. Uh, So from 5 to 8 p.m., it's located at the Rose Center. For those who don't know what the Rose Center is, it's this White House right up here on the side. You won't miss it because that's where everyone will be gathering. We've got food. You should bring a chair uh, so you have somewhere to sit. Uh, Food served around 5.30, and uh, we have a great time. So we're really looking forward to everybody getting back together. Rest of the summer, no more location changes due to softball games. We will be at the Rose Center for the rest of the summer. So I just encourage you to come out to that. And then the second announcement... Uh, that I have. How many were here last week for evangelists Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall? Woo! So somehow we worked it out this summer where they came and then they're doing something else this weekend and then they're going to come back next Sunday. So for everybody who was here this past Sunday knows the anointing and the power of God fell on the church service. We had just people miraculously healed. There was testimony after testimony of God's healing power right there during the church service. And it was just an incredible time. So I'd encourage you to come out next week. i encourage you to invite somebody. Maybe you have an unsaved friend uh, or a family member or maybe someone who's just dealing with a physical challenge right now in their life uh, or m- emotional or any type of challenge. But it's basically everybody. Okay? So invite somebody next week. I just encourage you to, uh, uh, to invite somebody out. And just I'm looking forward to what Reverend Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall uh, have to share uh, next week. Amen? It's going to be a great time. And I will tell you this, guys. We have been having, uh, Ryan had said something to me at the break about prophesying. And I really feel in my heart that the Lord is saying to us as a church, we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. And I believe that the Lord is calling us to begin to ask for bigger things and to begin to ask And to see and to not be surprised when miracles, when signs and wonders begin to occur right in front of our eyes. And I believe there's a time. It's not because Jeremy and Jocelyn Gall are here on a Sunday morning. It is a situation in each one of your lives. You're going to begin to see that happening day in and day out. Not just on Sunday but every day of the week. Amen? I feel like that's what the Lord has for us coming forward. I'm excited. So let's just, I have a quick scripture for our tithes and offerings, and then Pastor Liz has a great message. I know she's ready to share with us this morning. It's out of Proverbs 16. It says, a man's heart plans his ways. (laughs) Can I get an amen to that, right? Man, some of us are big time planners. We're always trying to get everything in order. We're always trying to do this and do that and put the schedule out and do all these things. And nothing wrong with a lot of those things. But here, but the Lord directs his steps. So I just encourage you this morning. God has done this in our life over and over and over. We have a plan, but God's plan is always better. And so I want to yield to God's plan. And I believe what he has for us today in our tithes and our offerings and our finances is can we yield this morning to God's plans in our life. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that even though we make plans and have our ways, Lord, that you direct our steps. So we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. We can hear your voice. We thank you for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. I thank you, Lord, that you are blessing every family here as Father, we just give of our time and our effort, of our tithes, of our offerings, Lord. We give you all the honor, praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.
0: Did you see that Bible hand off there? All right. Good morning, church. It's been a great morning. It's been a great morning. Um, Everything that has happened this morning, every word the Lord has brought, even the songs that we sang, um, he's got something good for us this morning. I'm just going to take a minute to pray uh, before we start. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. God, you are so good to us. Father, it is our heart's desire to glorify you, to magnify you, to lift you up in this place. Father, we just open our hearts to you this morning and we ask that. We would be teachable, that you would teach us, that you would mold us, that you would shape us, Father, that you would cut away those things that hinder us, uh, that enslave us, God, and that we would walk um, as free children of the Most High God, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the message I have to share today is real simple. I just felt led to encourage us in faith. Um, Jeremy was here last week, he's coming next week, and you know, I, we adore Jeremy and Jocelyn, we spend a lot of time with them, we meet, we go out, they are as fun and as loud in a restaurant as they are here, they are are awesome, we have so much fun with them, but you know, it is the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that moves with power, and um, they've seen it so much, and so they carry this great faith, they've seen it. Um, and they speak it, they share it. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. I love that Jeremy comes, and he comes up with such passion, and he just shares testimonies. He just points to Jesus over and over and over and over, and um, so this morning, I'm just going to, it's like I said to Jason, I'm just going to be a little faith bridge from one Sunday to the next Sunday, um, and it's my honor to do that, and uh, the scripture that we're really just going to start with, there's, I just have two this morning. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 1, uh, if you want to turn there, or I believe my daughter has that up behind me. Um, now, faith is the substance or confidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's the confidence of things hoped for or the evidence or the proof of things unseen Faith is knowing who God is. This whole word points and is to tell us, is to show us who God is. And we're so privileged to have it. We're so privileged to have it in our hands. We're so privileged to be able to visit it over and over and over and see it in black and white. Go to Ollie's. Man, they got Bibles everywhere. You can... And it's such a privilege that they don't have in other countries. They rip Bibles, and each person gets a page, and they hide it. And if they're caught with it, the um, the consequences are severe. It's such a privilege. Faith is knowing who God is. It is certainty about who he is. It's confidence in who he is. If you're fully rooted in who God is then you're not surprised when God does what he does, which is what Jeremy talked about last week. He was in um, Acts chapter 3 where Paul had done this miracle, and he said, why do you marvel at this? Why are you surprised at this? And he did this phenomenal miracle. But he says, this has nothing to do with us. Jeremy would stand here and say, I just believe God. I just believe God, and I expect God to be God, and so God shows up, and God is God. If you're fully rooted in who God is, then you're not surprised when God does what he does, when he does what he do. What he does comes from who he is. He is a promise keeper, and so he keeps all his promises. He is the healer, and so he heals the sick and the brokenhearted. He is love. That's who he is. And so he forgives our sins. He saves our souls. He gives us eternal life through Jesus. And he calls us his children. He is faithful. He is good. And so he walks with us through trials and tribulations and the pain that exists in this life on earth. He leads us. He guides us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He grieves with us. He provides for us. All these things, he does these things because who he is is who he is, and it does not change. It does not change. You know, my kids are never surprised when I put dinner on the table. They're never surprised when I feed them dinner. They're not like, oh, She's feeding us dinner, guys. She's feeding us. They're grateful. They're happy. Sometimes there's rejoicing depending on the menu. But they're never shocked because they know who I am. I'm their mom. This is what I do. I'm a good and attentive mom, hopefully, and feeding them is what I do because of who I am. Now, faith is the confident knowing of who God is. And so walking by faith is holding fast to that truth, holding fast to who God is in the face of every circumstance in our life. And you're going to see here how this whole service has been building to this because the Holy Spirit is consistent and he has He always has something for us. He's always growing us because God loves us. He's preparing us. You know, sometimes the trial, the tribulation you're going through, we're supposed to count it joy because it produces patience. I always think, God, what are you preparing me for? Because I am a protective mom. I am, I'm an over-preparer when it comes to my kid. And I'll just be honest, this is born out of the fact that I always felt unprepared. I always felt Clueless. Eva came home with a paper from school. Talk to your mom. And it was about feelings and emotions in middle school. And ask her to, to check off the ones how she felt in middle school. It was a sad sight. I was like, well, girl, I've never told you these things, but here you go. Clueless, lost, unprotected. Like I just didn't, I never knew anything. And no one ever kind of taught me anything. So I'm an over with my girls. I'm just like, okay, listen, it's time to learn how to shave your legs. I have my swimsuit on. Come on upstairs. I'm going to show you how to do it. This is how you do it. I mean, I give them all the details about everything because I never want them to be caught off guard. I don't want them to hurt themselves. Um, and I want them to know they're loved, protected, and prepared and ready for what's coming at them. And so sometimes these trials, these tribulations, they come, and it's preparation for something bigger that's coming. Because God sees the end from the beginning. He knit us together. As we were worshiping, he told me this. He said, Liz, I knit together every human being of all time. Each one passed through his care. Each one. From the most evil one to his son Jesus. Did he knit Jesus together in the womb of Mary? That's an interesting question. I mean Jesus just didn't appear there. God followed the, the rules of development. I mean, it wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure because he's consistent and he's not magic. He doesn't operate by magic. He's not he, that's not how he that's not how he does. He operates on who he is. So, holding fast to the truth of who God is in the face of these very real circumstances of life, what we see, what we feel, and what we experience in this life, does not change who God is. Sin, death, disease, tragedy, heartache, abuse, sickness, poverty, injustice, racism, sexism, discrimination, theft, destruction, murder, brutality, violence, loss, sorrow. These things do not come from his hand. These things do not come from him. They are part and parcel of the curse under which this earth suffers. And gosh, we live on this earth and we suffer. We suffer side by side with those who don't know him. Why is the gospel so urgent? Why is it so powerful? Why is it so unbelievably joyous? Because The suffering is for real. These things are for real. And he is the way. Jesus is the way out over and through it. Jesus is the truth that brings freedom from the curse. He is the life that conquered death and makes the way for us to victory. These things do not change who he is. Psalm 37 says, to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In verse 8, it says, do not fret, it only causes harm. So when those circumstances, those feelings, that your pain, your experiences, when they, when they begin to, if you begin to stew, when they begin to draw on you and you begin to feel, you begin to question who God is, you need to stand and say who God is doesn't change. I have a very visual mind. I come up with analogies for everything. I'm like, I'm like a website for analogies and like I need an analogy for this. I was like, well, how about this? Well, no. And I never know if they're gonna quite work until I say them. Sometimes I, I have to I have to say them out loud to hear if if it works. But in my own life, there are some things I learned about God through experience. And they're like flags planted. Big ones, like big flagpoles they don 't they don 't budge it doesn 't matter it doesn 't matter what hurricane is blowing through my life. These truths do not budge, and there are seasons of my life where I have felt like um, Pastor Jason said in um, the song waymaker, even though i don 't see it he 's working, even though i don 't feel it he 's working i 've had some times in my life where I felt like I don't know if it's like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz or if it's like Helen Hunt and Twister. Like, I felt like I'm holding on to this pole, and I'm literally parallel to the ground, and there's just things whipping by me, and my life just is in a, it's in a hurricane, but I am holding fast to this pole, and I look up, and there's the flag that I've raised, and it says God is good. There's another one that says God is faithful, i.e., he will never Leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never reject me. And I hold on to these truths. I run to them, you know, and sometimes, you know, I wrap my arms around multiple poles, but I run to the truth that holds me fast in life circumstances. I do not let the circumstances weaken my pole. I'll tell you, sometimes I go through circumstances and I'm just mad. I, I'm, I'm mad, and I just, I don't, want, I don't want the polls. You know what? I feel like you could have done something about this if you'd wanted to. <laughs> that is just stinking thinking. That is, someone, that, is, that is the thinking of someone who struggles to receive love and doesn't understand the goodness in the heart of God for his children, the depth of love, the depth of love. And eventually I loosen up and I run to the pole. I know you you will never leave me or forsake me. I know you will never reject me. I know that you are preparing me for bigger things. I know that you are are growing my faith. I know that you are knitting me together even now in my walk. What we see and how we feel in our experiences do not change who God is. You will find him in the midst of every circumstance if you seek him. This morning I talked about um, sitting in your Sitting in your feelings, I think this is so important, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get there in my notes um, about your heart. Faith is tied to your heart. It is intricately connected. You cannot you cannot parse it out. You cannot have true faith if you do not go to God in, in truth. If you are trying to fill in the blank anything, if you're trying to be, if you're trying to say the right things, if you're trying to Um, if you're trying, then you're not being. You can just be with him and invite him in and seek him. In your anger, seek him. In your grief, seek him. In your pain, in your sin, seek him. So often, so often, somehow, somehow the message has become that if you are just, in sin that you need to clean yourself up before you come to God. Are we and I'll ask this I'll ask this of myself as a leader of a of a church I'll ask this of the elders. What what kind of culture do we have in this church? Are we a place where the sinner can come? Are we a place where grace is evident? Are we a place where space is evident, or must they be proper before they come in? Must they be a Republican to grace the altar, or will we give them time? <laughs> Just kidding um, about that one in particular. I'm kidding about that one in particular. But must they be? Must they be acceptable? Like, um, must they be perfectly kind every time you talk to them, or do they have space? Do they have space sometimes to say things that are a little like, that oh, was a little off, and you let it go? Are we? That's what grace is. Grace is just letting it go and trusting that God is at work in their life, trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in their life and that your name isn't the Holy Spirit. That's what grace and space is in our house. Grace and space is one of the Ackerman keys to a happy marriage. We talk about it. With every premarital couple we talk to, it is foundational, mostly because I needed so much grace and space, and I needed safety, and I needed unconditional love. And then after 11 years of receiving that so beautifully, then it was his turn. (laughs) Then he needed a lot of grace and space and unconditional love, and our marriage has been, I mean, it's just been so strong because of that. But are we a church where a sinner can come, where someone who's struggling can come, an ugly cry? And we don't assume that, wow, their life must be really a mess. Maybe. No messier than mine, I'm, I can assure you. And I know I've said this a lot of times. There was a period in my life where I had lost two, two babies in one summer, and I was up right up here. And every Sunday, we used to sit in the back because we had lots of kids, little kids. And every Sunday, I would resist, like, I'm not going to cry in front of all these people. And I was just, Lord, I am tired of being a hot mess in front of people. It's not fair. Why do I always have to be the hot mess married to the shiny penny? I just don't under, like, I I just don't like it. And every Sunday, man, I'm a worshiper. And I mean, my heart within five minutes would just begin to melt and up I would come and I would weep. There was so much sorrow and so much grief and I would just weep and weep. And a a good friend, but after like the second or third Sunday, she came up and she was concerned about me. She's like, Liz, are you okay? It was Rochelle Reynolds. I said, Rochelle, I said, girl, if you don't see me up there, then I'm probably not okay. So long as I'm up here, so long as I'm pouring my heart out, Before the Lord, I'm okay. So the minute you see me standing there stoic, you know, trying to hold it in, then then you need to worry. Then you need to to to, uh, to reach out and and um and make sure I'm being real with God, make sure I'm living from my heart with the Lord. So in your sin, seek him. In your need, your weakness, weariness, seek him. In your failure, seek him. In the day of trouble, seek the Lord. And then rest in who he is. Eyes on who he is, on Jesus, and off of the circumstance. Ooh, I didn't bring my phone up. Um, There was a worship song on this morning as I was getting ready for church, and then I came into church, and I was up here singing. Or I wasn't singing. I was praying, and a song came on, and it was the same song. And before I left the house, no, guys, it's in there. Keep going. Um it's like men's eyes get blinded when they open a purse, right? Like they open the purse and they can see nothing. It's just like a big black hole. And it's it's right it's literally right there, but they can't see it. Before I left the house, I felt the Lord say, um find the lyrics to that song. So we're talking about when life, all these circumstances, they don't change who God is. And that's the key to walking in faith. It's the key to holding on to your faith. Um So I'm a worshiper, and um, this song, uh, there's one who has overcome, seated on David's throne, making our enemies a footstool beneath our feet. Do you see? The rocking begins, (laughs) even though I'm not singing it. Um, And we have this great hope. In the midst of the war, your name will prevail. Into the battle, your name is breakthrough. Into the struggle, your name is victory. The battle doesn't change the breakthrough. The struggle does not diminish the victory. Our praises get louder. Nothing can stop you. You hold the power because Jesus, you're the king. Now, if we go down. Where is it? It's in your peace I fight. It's in your strength I rise. It's just you, Jesus. It's just you, Jesus. Now, when this song is playing, and for the longest time, I didn't know what the word was and I didn't care. And usually I'm a stickler for accuracy. Um, Actually, I think with the Gulls and Jason, we joke. um, Jeremy's an evangelist, and so sometimes when he describes an event, it it becomes evangelistic. Evangelastic, like, There were 4,500 people. And Justin's like, mm, about a thousand. You know, so it's just that enthusiasm that kind of takes over. And we joke because I would have a t-shirt that says, accuracy matters. <laughs> Details matter, accuracy matters. But in this song, it's just you, Jesus. It's just you, Jesus. And I never knew, are they saying it's just you, Jesus? Or are they saying, I trust you, Jesus? And for me personally, I decided, I trust you, Jesus, was more where I needed to plant myself. And so worship becomes part of my, it's the biggest part of my battle plan is worship. To turn my eyes to Jesus, to turn it away from that circumstance. So walking by faith is holding fast to who God is. Now living by faith, living by faith is making choices that line up with the knowledge of who God is, with the belief of who God is. So this is like, it's like taking it, faith is the certainty in who God is, and you're certain, and faith is something, it's, spirit, it's in the spirit, right? I build my faith through worship. I build my faith through hearing the word. Um, you know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. My number one goal in living is to please the Lord. It is my number one goal in living. If I fail a thousand times at a thousand things, my number one goal is to please the Lord. Without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. So it's in your spirit, but then we also the circumstances come and we have to we have to turn our mind, we have to renew our mind according to the word. So the battle comes to our mind and our thoughts and what about this and what about this and what about this? Um, and let me just, let me just say, so when you're in that situation, um, when you're in that situation, be really careful how you organize your sentences, grammar, um, reading a book, I, I do a book each day, it's called Sheltering Mercy, it's prayers based on the Psalms, and it's like the prayers are Psalms themselves, and it's like poetry, and it's, oh, I just, I love the Psalms, um, because it's like poetry and song, and, um, this book, there's a line, it says, may I be fluent in the grammar of grace. Oh, and I swoon. Yes, God, may I be fluent in the grammar of grace. So how you arrange your sentences in your mind, it's, is it, um, is it, I know God is good, but this bad thing is happening? Or is it, this bad thing is happening, but I know that God is good. That's not even in my notes. That one is for free. That's from the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to your thoughts. He doesn't condemn you for the questions. He doesn't condemn you for anything. Church, can we get a hold of that? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You're you're angry at God. He's not mad at you for that. He's with you. He's walking you through it. You're mired down in self-pity. You're mired down in your sin. Loves you. He is your way. He will never not be the way out for you in any situation, in any circumstance. Pay attention to how you are framing your thoughts in this walk of faith. So the battle is in the mind, and then it comes out in our actions. So living by faith is making choices that line up with the knowledge of God. And this is, a, this is big, church. I want you to get this. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I have counseled people on the brink on the brink of sanity, which I have visited that place. It is a wretched place. I have counseled people with this simple scripture, and it has helped to turn them around. This scripture, which is like Sunday school, for those of us who've walked with the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, or submit to him, and he will direct your path. Our faith is revealed in our choices, and in our actions, and in our reactions. I know where my faith is based on how I react to things, and I'm always growing in faith. Church, can we give ourselves and every other person on the planet to be growing in faith? Everyone gets to be growing in faith. My mom has a phrase she likes to say. It's, this is killing me. This is killing me. Do you know I want to say, the fact that you say that so much is killing you. Please stop saying that. But do you know, I said that to her once, and like she, she wrinkled up her face, and I knew what I had done wrong. What I had done wrong is that instead of in that moment hearing her heart And that she was overwhelmed, that she was feeling under. She needed compassion, and she needed me to address her heart, not her words. Are her words important? Yes, they are important. But it was not the first thing I should have been addressing. I needed to address her pain and say, Mom, nothing can come against you. I'm with you. God's with you. What can I do? Can I pray with you? But instead, I corrected her. I corrected her verbiage again, important, but her heart's more important. Knowing who God is in that moment was more important. It'll change her. Her words will change once she gets a hold of who God is. Her words will change, and the Holy Spirit will help her all the time. So, her words revealed, you know, some things about her heart, and I missed it on that one. I miss it a lot. And then the Lord Teaches me and he grows me up. Actually, I mean, that's the best way. That's how we that's how we bring up kids. That's how we bring up kids. They miss it, they mess up, they don't obey, and then we teach them about obedience. You know, they are unkind. We teach them about kindness. So the more we open our hearts to the Lord and trust who he is, and then hold fast to him, the stronger our faith and the deeper our trust. Oh, I love this. In seeking In all those situations I talked about, in seeking him, we come to know his voice. We come to value his opinion of us above all others. We follow his ways, and we desire his direction. And after all those things, we feel the firmness of himself under our feet as we walk. So walking in faith is trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, and I would say with the whole of our mind and all of our soul, leaning not on our own understanding, which means rejecting our own understanding, rejecting our pro-con list, or at least submitting it. I love that. At least submitting it. There's nothing. God loves your brain. He loves your intellect. And if you are a person of deep intellect, he wants you to use it for his glory, not set it on a shelf. Um, So, I got off on, my brain went off there. Um, So, submitting our pro-con list to the Lord. He knows how we operate. If you're a pro-con list person, he knows, he made you that way. He knit you together that way. But you take, you make your list, and you submit it to him. And you say, God, I seek you in this. I desire your way. Lead me, guide me. I submit to you, and I trust in you. And the Bible says, he will direct your path. He will do it. The greater our trust in him, the more he is able. We grow in this. We grow and we grow and we grow. And our whole motivation is that the more we trust in him, the more he's able to move us and use us in extraordinary ways because we're not afraid. We know that he will not let us fail. We, we, know, we go to the word and we know we have, we have worked it out. We have worked it out. We've seen, we stand on his faithfulness. We have that firmness of who he is under our feet. And we know that he will not let us fail. And so he says, ooh, I can tell her. I can tell her, I can tell them to sell their house and move into a mobile home. Actually, I can tell them to sell their house and not know where they're gonna live and that I'll leave them and they'll, they'll, they're gonna, they got it. They're gonna trust me. He knows when we're ready. It was a, it was a it was a really a, a a walk to get ready for such a thing, and there have been some times when we've been um we've been confronted with some challenges and some trials that we didn't feel ready for, but in the end we were victorious and God was glorified, and so our faith saw us through and He was with us and He saw us through, so I want to talk real quick. Um, and give you two illustrations. I haven't told any, hardly any stories. I have here the tale of two births, births, like birthing a baby. I've had eight children. If you do not know, we have eight children. They came one at a time. So I had a lot of opportunity to learn things. And if you've ever birthed a child, you know that anything you can learn to help you lessen the work of it, the better. So I was an eager learner. So the tale of two births. The first birth um, was my first child, and here it goes. Uh, I'm going to have a baby, and the Bible says that pain is under the curse, and Jesus became a curse for us. Therefore, I can have a pain-free childbirth. This church is true. This is true, it's true. Pain is under the curse. Childbirth, pain and childbirth is specifically a curse, and I walk under the blessing. Therefore, A pain-free childbirth is available to me in Christ. So, okay, that's true. And then I stand. I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen. Hmm. Exactly. In my notes. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to build my faith. Good. I'm going to read testimonies of God's faithfulness in this area. Good. I'm going to meditate on scriptures that show God's will concerning this. Awesome. I'm going to write scripture cards for the hospital, and I'm going to pray these scripted faith prayers in this book called Supernatural Childbirth. I'm going to, I'm going to do all these things. Okay. It's great. I am declaring all the specifics of how this is going to happen. This this going to be this way? It's going to happen this way. This baby is not going to go past their due date. This ba- I mean, I start making declarations, and in my notes it has a big, uh-oh. Everything I speak is going to happen because I have faith. It's going to happen the way I say it's going to happen, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. A <laughs> couple things I've learned. Don't ever, try to, don't ever try to tell God what day a baby's going to come, okay? He knows what's happening in there better than you do, okay? Um, I go to the hospital with all of my faith ducks in a row, I'm only confessing what I'm believing for, and I proceed to have the most painful, traumatic childbirth experience out of all of my eight kids. I was left physically exhausted, emotionally numb, and spiritually wounded. It was awful. It was awful. And I remember mid-labor, you know, just in so much pain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I stopped. I was just like... What am I thanking you for? This sucks. God, help me. Help me. What is going on? It's like I got real. Okay? I got real. And that's the that's the problem. If you if you walk through this whole thing that I just did with you, I there was no point where I got before the Lord and got real with him and said, God, I don't want, I want what you have. I want the best that you have. And, I'm, I die, and I don't want to die, and I don't want my baby to die, and here's what I'm afraid of, and here's where I'm at. I never got real with where I was at before I started just collecting my to-do list so I could be a good girl, and I could show it to him and say, well, I did my part, now you do your part. It doesn't work that way. He, it's relationship. It's covenant relationship. So three months after the baby's born, I finally decide to talk to God. I probably prayed before that. I know I did, but, and here's how this goes: me, God, what went wrong? I did everything I knew to do, and it didn't work. I read, I prayed, I confessed, I meditated on the word. I don't understand, and I'm angry. And God responded and said, "I know, I know you are. What were you thinking about in the midst of the birth when the when the pain began? Me, I legit thought I might die. That something? No, I legit thought. I might die and after the fact I believe that the medication they gave me I think that I was at risk for uterine rupture to be honest I had one two-hour contraction there was if anyone has had a baby there was no pause there was no pause not a single pause and the nurse just yelled at me and told me I was being ridiculous and then after an hour and a half when I went from three to ten she was like oh oh yeah oh (laughs) okay I'm not bitter (laughs) I'm not bitter um, I legit thought I might die because the nurse said, she came in and said, you have like six more hours to go of this. And I looked at him. I was like, there's no way, there's no way I can't do this. I legit thought that I was going to die. Lord, I, I, that something was wrong. Then the baby's heartbeat went crazy. They lost her heartbeat. I almost had to have a C-section. He started praying in the spirit out loud. And I, I finished and God said, fear of death. And I said, Yeah. And I just started crying. I said, when that pain hit, all I thought was, this isn't working. It's not working. It's not working. I'm trying to have faith. And God, I was trying so hard. But no, I was not believing. I was so scared of dying. And I said to him, I was like, I can do better. I was like, God, we need to do better next time. I was like, okay, I need to do better next time. It has to be better next time. So here's the story of birth number two, which was just a short 18 months later. I sat with the Lord and I had an honest prayer with the Lord, and a lot was said during that prayer. One specific thing was I think the prayer of every mom having a second baby God, how am I ever gonna love this child as much as this child? This child is just everything. Uh, So I focused on one thing I was like, God, make her beautiful. The last thing I want is sisters who look at one another with envy or jealousy. And it's not the most important thing, God, but maybe you could just spare me this one hardship and make her beautiful. I didn't know I was going to have seven daughters, all of them beautiful, every single one of them. Anyway, such a shallow prayer, but isn't God sweet? He's so sweet to me. So here's how it goes. It's like, okay, God, I have no scripture cards. I didn't reread the supernatural childbirth book, and I haven't read any of those awesome prayers over this birth, mostly because I'm chasing a toddler around now. But This time, God, I am going into this, and I am certain of these three things. Number one, I will not die. Number two, my baby will not die. And number three, you will be with me and you will tell me what to do, and I will be listening. And that's all I went in with. I had, and I was certain. It's like I can be certain for these three things. So I go to the hospital with my tiny little bit of faith, with my, just my three things, not the whole book, as small of a book as it was, but I have my tiny little faith, but it's all mine. It's all mine. I'm trusting that he will be with me, not do something spectacular for me, but that his being with me will produce the extraordinary because he is extraordinary, that he will be with me. Trusting that he will speak. So after one hour, he begins, he tells me, sing. I'm not super keen on singing in front of people, but I begin to sing. And for two hours, I sing. And I sing all manner of songs, but I really focus into these kids' songs from Salty's Kids' Praise. I'm going to jump down, turn around, touch the ground, praise my Lord and for 2 hours i'm doing i'm goofing off with jason and i'm laughing i deliver a baby with little pushing and the greatest feeling of joy that i have ever experienced on this earth i've never experienced anything like it since there was a joy when that girl came out it was overwhelming if if heaven feels even a if if it's just even a fraction a drop of what heaven feels like i'm telling you it was overwhelming joy I had a pain-free childbirth. The nurses were in awe for days, and they spread the story from one shift to the next. They had never seen anything like it. God was with me. I listened for his voice. I did what he told me to do. I believed in him. I had faith in him to show up, to speak to me, to be with me. I shifted my focus, and I shifted my faith the, the story of the first birth, I was having faith in my faith. I had faith in my faith. I had faith in all the acts of faith. So the second time, I, I, didn't, I didn't put my faith in my confessions. I didn't put my faith in my scripture cards. I didn't put my faith in my prayers. I didn't put my faith in my anything. Only him. Only him. And I would say I abandoned myself to him. I love saying that. I'd say it to my children, I will never abandon my children, but in one way, I abandon them to the care of the Lord. I release them fully. That's what I mean by that word. That's a kind of a triggery, charged word. I release them fully. I released myself to the Lord. I believed in who he promised to be for me in that room. Faith has everything to do with our hearts, with being real and getting real about where we are, on what... What do I really believe right now, God? And I've heard stories about um, Kenneth Hagin. I think, I feel like it was Kenneth Hagin, like in the prayer lines. And it's just like, can you believe this? Okay, no, I can't believe. Okay, well, can you believe this? And he'd keep just breaking it down until he could get someone to really solidly believe. Well, I don't know if I can believe that God is going to completely heal me. Well, do you believe that God can completely heal like he did with this in this. I can, I do, I can, I believe, I do, I believe fully that he can heal. Like he would work with them. He'd walk them through it and he would find the point of their faith. And then you stand there honestly before God and say, this is where I am, God. And this is what I know. This is what I know. In times of trouble, instead of, oh no, it's not working. Or I don't know. I don't know. Now what? Now what? What do do I do now? Okay, let me get, we're gonna gonna make a list or I'm gonna call my mom or I'm gonna see what Pastor Jason has to say about this. None of those, some of those things are not bad things, but we need to run to the Lord. We need to run to the Lord and we need to seek him in all of our ways. We need to seek his counsel um, in every question, in every issue, in every problem. Jake, if you wanna come back up. Uh, My oldest daughter just recently had a decision that she needed to make, Um, and she told me, she's like, Mom, I've been praying about it daily, and I'm not getting anything. I don't know which way to go, and I said to her, she said, this is is where I'm at. She said, if I make this decision, I'm afraid, I'm afraid because, not afraid, but I'm I'm going to kind of um, put this person off. I'm going to offend them. It's not going to look good. Um, because I said I was going to do this, and now I just don't have peace about doing it. I don't have peace about signing this this contract that I've been working toward my whole entire career, this thing that I've wanted more than anything else, and here it sits. But I have no peace about signing it. But if I do sign it, I, I'm afraid that it's not the right thing to do, and that I should. I just don't know what to, which way to go, and I keep praying, and I'm not hearing anything. And I said to her. This week, we will go to the worship night together. And this week, between the worship night and Sunday morning, you will ask the Lord and he will answer you. And in church, I'll tell you what, guys, here's a real practical thing. When Jason and I have a decision to make, when we're unsure, and there's so many times we're unsure after earnest seeking, we don't know. We always, always will seek him during church. And he will always answer. And do you want to know why? Because in his presence, fear disappears. All of those little concerns, all the cons or the pros or whatever it is that's trying to move you, it all fades away. And in worship, I'm not afraid. <laughs> Every time I, we thought we were going to be done having kids, I would be standing in church and the Lord would just bubble up in my heart. I would come so weary. So t- Raising eight kids is legit for real. Okay, I'm not, oh, you must have extra patience. No, I don't. I got just as much as y'all. <laughs> um, but it would bubble up and I would lean over and I would just feel like, we're not done. We're not done yet. So she came and she knelt and she worshiped and she worshiped. And afterwards, Jason and I said, what did you hear? If I heard this. I was like, okay, let's wait for tomorrow and see if he brings clarity to that. The next day the Lord asked her a question. That is what he does. He asks us questions that um, challenge our assumptions about him, about who he is. Do you think, do you think that this path is the only way for me to get you from where you are to where you dream to be? That was her fear. If I if I say no to this, which is the, the path most traveled to my dream. If I say no to it because I'm lacking peace, will I ever get there? And the question Lord asked her is, do you think that this is the only way that I have, I, God, to get you there? He asks questions that challenge our assumptions, that challenge our limitations that we put on him. And she made the right and the bold and the brave decision, and she followed the Lord. But he answered her, we are raising up our kids, and we want to raise up a church that doesn't just switch jobs, that doesn't just decide to move just because that they they have sought the Lord, they have gotten wisdom. We want to raise up a church that doesn't just follow tradition, that doesn't always play it safe, but that questions and pushes, pushes God to be who he is. He wants, he's seeking to show himself strong on behalf of his children. We are the ones who put limits on him. Seeing God for who he is and pressing up against him for more, it glorifies him. Seeing God glorified is the product of our faith. It's, it's the product of our faith and it's how I learned that first story it was heartbreaking that first birth story I thought I was doing it all right and I was crushed so it was God what did I miss show me so I don't miss it again the next time he wasn't mad at me he wants to grow our faith because he loves us and he wants to move miraculously in our lives if we will only believe in the fullness of who he is Church, go ahead and stand together with me. We're going to just pray together. We're going to open our hearts to him this morning. Just open your heart to him this morning. Just close your eyes. Think about who he is. Who has he been to you? Think about his faithfulness. Last night, my family was sleeping, and I was weeping, overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God, his goodness to me. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for showing us who you are. I thank you for your word. We hide it in our hearts, Lord God, that we might not sin against you. We set our hearts on you, God. You are the unchanging one. It is you alone whom we seek. In you alone do we place our trust. And in the abundance and riches of your love, we open our hearts to you this morning, Father. Teach us, God. Correct us, Father. Show us those areas where our faith is weak or misplaced. Show us those areas where we are relying on our own understanding. Come and make our paths straight. Shake us up, Lord. Shake up our thinking, our reasoning, our traditions, and our modes of operation, God. We ask all of this, Lord, that you might be glorified in us and through us. We ask all of this, God, that the world would see who you are reflected in your church and that they would be in awe of what they see and that the stories would pass from person to person. God, we need you to soften our hearts. We need you to align us to your truth. We need you to be the firmness under our feet. We need you to firm up our faith that we might grow in grace for one another's imperfections, that we might make space for human weakness. Open our eyes, God, to see as you see and to love as you love. Father, we seek your face this morning, God. We seek your truth this morning, God. Father, connect us to our hearts in truth. God, no longer are we gonna just push away No longer are we going to look away, but, Father, we trust you. We're going to look and see where we are at and where we want to be, God, and we are going to walk it out. We trust you, God. We trust you this morning, Lord. Who you are is all that we desire. Have your way in our hearts, God. Have our way in our hearts, God. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we will have people up here who uh, are honored to pray for you. Do you know it's an honor to pray for one another? To come alongside one another? You know that the faith walk is not a lone, lonely walk. It can't be. You'll never grow. You'll never get to where you need to be. If, you, if you've been going around the same mountain for a good long time and you're sick of it, come up and partner. Partner. Come up and be humble and open and say, I'm struggling. I hurt. Man, that was a hard email for me to, to write. But when I wrote it, I moved from I'm mad to I hurt. And healing happened. So come up for prayer. Be dismissed, church. We love you. And enjoy the rest of your day.